It's time for another round of the Business Idea Giveaway Show in which we donate business ideas to you and all we ask in exchange is that you take action on them for that and that you hit that follow button and that subscribe button uh, in Spotify, Apple Podcasts, in the YouTube, wherever you're watching, wherever you're listening to this because that helps more people find the show. I'm your host, Nick Loper. This is The Side Hustle Show. It's the business podcast you can actually apply. Joining me today is a longtime friend and friend of the show, a serial entrepreneur who's built not one, but two seven-figure businesses, starting both as side hustles from mywifequitterjob.com. Steve Chu, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me back, Nick. Uh, this episode, the one that we did last time, was a lot of fun, so I figured let's go for round two. You bet. It was a hit. So we recorded the business idea giveaway episode in uh, September. So this was like episode 530. Super popular episode, over 70,000 downloads already. So like any good podcaster, like any good um, entrepreneurs, right? It's like, you know, notice what's working and let's do more of that. So we're back for another round of that. Before we get into it, Steve's got a new book coming out. It's The Family First Entrepreneur, How to Achieve Financial Freedom Without Sacrificing What Matters Most. Make sure to pre-order your copy before May 16th at thefamilyfirstentrepreneur.com to claim over $600 in free bonuses, including what I thought was really cool, the Family First Side Hustle Challenge. So looking forward to checking that out. Now, I want to kick off this list. One of the cool ways to kind of just get your idea-generating juices flowing is to go to sites like explodingtopics.com, which is like kind of like Google Trends, but it feels a little more curated. And when I was on there recently, one of the exploding topics that you know popped up to me or kind of like got the uh, light bulb going for me was Core Web Vitals. This is Google's um, metric of how user-friendly your site is in terms of page speed, user experience, a bunch of other factors. And so if Core Web Vitals, and you know the chart is up and to the right, like lots of people looking for information and assistance around how do I improve my Core Web Vitals score? A couple different paths that I see this potentially going as a side hustle, as a business idea. The first is, you know, learn these skills yourself, watch the YouTube videos, become educated on this. Maybe you start, you know, on Fiverr, I'll help you improve your core web vital score, you know, $50, $100, like, you know, kind of low ticket service, you learn on the job, you improve your skills. Second path would be to partner with somebody who already knows this stuff, and then go be the marketing arm, start the productized service around this, where for, you know, a flat fee, we'll optimize your site. And then because it's all, it's kind of a moving target, like they always are changing what goes into this core web vital score, you know, have you know a lower monthly recurring service. Like, well, make sure you're you're always up to date with the latest uh, changes here. So that's idea number one for me. This core web vitals, and I was inspired by uh, a search on explodingtopics.com. I'll tell you this, Nick. When I was messing with my core web vitals, and for everyone listening, this is essential for ranking your website in search. I painstakingly did this all by myself. And yes, I would have gladly paid a service to, to help me with that for sure. Yeah, it's a pain. And it's like, you know, they give you all this technical language. And even then they they tell you, well, here's your recommended action as a, as a basis of this lower score that you got. And you're like, I don't know what to do with that information. Like you're still speaking a foreign language, Google. So yes, I think a big opportunity. Google's horrible at this. They use all this technical jargon that just confuses people. So yeah. Great idea, Nick. Uh, so mine is something that I've been actually just thinking about for a very long time. Uh, it's not technical. It's basically a service that holds you accountable. And maybe this is because I do this with my kids like every single day. Did you do your homework? Did you work on this? Did you make any progress on your project? And I found that, so I've been teaching a class for like over a decade now on how to start an e-commerce store. And what I find is that 
people, it's not because they aren't smart or anything. It's because they need someone to just hound them, not to hound them, but just to ask the question like, hey, did you make progress? Did you actually do what you told me that you were going to do this week? And the service could be as simple as, hey, uh, you just receive a text message like once a week asking if you accomplished the goals that you set the previous week. Yeah, that could be an easy one. I'm surprised when I see some of these, um, even just membership services, where there's not a huge level of you know content added. Where you know we we tend to think as content creators, well, if I'm going to have a membership, it's got to like have this huge library of content. It's like no, sometimes the membership is just like show up and or I'll ping you with this accountability message. Like you, you kind of know what you need to do, but you know just to have somebody kind of looking over your shoulder, even in a virtual way. I think that could make some sense. And my next one kind of plays along with that because kind of we've witnessed the power of gamification. And I'll give you the, the example. So my son, uh, my oldest son is in first grade and you know he reads a decent amount, but we just got done with a month of what they call the eager reader program at school. I don't know if your elementary school has had this for your kids, but you know, all of a sudden now it was a contest and he was reading two, sometimes three hours in a day because it was like being quantified and measured against his classmates. And so my idea is, so Google or um, Apple rather is coming out with their, you know, augmented reality glasses. It's like, how do we gamify some of the bigger challenges that we face as a, as a country, as a planet, like with obesity and environmental problems? Like if we could, you know, you remember the like cigarette ads or the, you know, the stop smoking ads like from the nineties mm-hmm. or like, you know, each cigarette is like 14 minutes off your life or something. Like if we could have in, in our field of vision, as we're choosing between, you know, different menu items at the restaurant, well, you know, the steak is minus 14 minutes and the salad is like plus 15 minutes or something like some way to gamify these decisions where we, we kind of inherently know the right path to choose, but we don't because we choose, you know, whatever is feels better in the moment. So I'm trying to think of that, you know, how to gamify like health in a way that, that would have wide scale adoption and, and actually spark some change there. So a funny story is uh, Fitbit. When my wife and I first got a Fitbit, we joined this group uh, of our friends and we would have weekly contests on who would have the most steps for the week. Yeah. And my wife does not work out at all. And <laughs> she ended up getting like 35,000 steps in one day. Wow. And that's a lot. That's a lot of steps in one day. The average. Yeah. She's not tall. That's like 10 or 12 miles. Yeah. Yeah. And to win the contest, that's what she did. So this gamification totally works. And if it works in fitness, it can probably work in health. You just got to find the right metrics. Yeah, because I use like the MyFitnessPal app off and on to track uh, meals and stuff. But it's kind of a pain. Like there's a lot of friction involved. And so if there's a way to make it more seamless and more integrated into your data, like without having to open an app and log in, I don't know, like all that stuff kind of makes it more of a pain. So maybe there's some something coming down the road with the, with the glasses or the future, <laughs> you know, augmented reality dashboards and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So my next one has nothing to do with tech. It is rent a garden. Now here's, here's a problem that we've had. Like my wife and I, we always wanted to start a vegetable garden. The problem is we plant these things in our backyard and they inevitably die mainly because we don't have the right conditions, but we really want to start this garden and start eating the food that we grow. So what I thought of was if there was a place that just had nice soil and they maintained everything for you, watered the plants and, and just made sure it had sunlight if you could plant your own seeds there and then harvest your own crops and that sort of thing and make sure, like they would just make sure your plants would live, that would be a lot of fun. I think that'd be a great service to have. I, we'd be all over it. 
Yeah, it'd have to be somewhat nearby to the neighborhood. You wouldn't want to like be, you know, commuting half an hour to go tend to your plants or anything, but I can see that working. Yeah. I mean, they would tend to it also for an extra oh, fee. Like, okay, like okay. you could start a business where you, you know, you would take care of the plants basically, and they would have the fun of watering it, or they could come and take care of it also. Yeah. This is us every, every summer as well. Like, well, here, you know, at the, at the end of the summer, here's our $17 tomato. Like, great. I'm glad we just didn't go to the store and get this, but you, you, there's some, some pride in cultivation there. And we've seen a couple, there was one near, near my apartment in college, kind of like a community garden where I don't know if they charged, you know, rent per each row of the thing, but you can see people out there gardening. And actually our neighborhood uh, HOA maintains one too. They call it like the neighborhood pea patch where you can go and have uh. your own little plot, but it's, I don't think they're going to maintain it for you. So maybe that's an upcharge. <laughs> I was just thinking about this because um, we just got back from Japan and a lot of the restaurants that we ate at actually grow their plants right there. And there's a lot of farm to table here in California also. Yeah, we had a hard time finding vegetables that weren't tempura fried in Japan. <laughs> that's like, <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so that's number four, rent a garden. If you're new to the show, you found it. Awesome. Thank you for tuning in. Um, now, you might be saying, like, hey, this is... Uh, this stuff is really interesting, all the side hustle stuff. And you might say, look, there's 550 plus episodes in the archives. Where do I start? Well, fear not, because here's what you do instead. You go to hustle.show, you answer a few short multiple choice questions, and I'm going to build you a personalized playlist that you can add to your device. You can learn what works and you can start making more money. So that's at hustle.show. Thank you for discovering the show. Hopefully you find your custom playlist over there. Number five for me is what I'm calling the Kids Summer Program Aggregator Site. So what we have learned is that, you know, during summer break, and I'm very much of the position like, you know, the, what's the book, like 18 summers or something like, look, this is time off for the kids. I'm like really grateful to have a flexible schedule, but like 10 weeks off consecutively, that's too much for both parties. Like the kids get tired (laughs) of us, like we get tired of them. And so, you know, but it's really disjointed. And so this would require a lot of local knowledge on what different summer camps and programs are available, when the registration dates are. Like To pull all of that together would be hugely valuable for parents. And it's just, it's really disjointed. Like registration times happen, uh, you know, some of them are in March, some of them don't happen until the end of April. And it's like, well, you know, how are we going to balance this out? And some level of like calendar visualization would help too, as we ended up having to like, you know, print out a physical thing, like try and block off the weeks that we wanted to be off, to, to travel, to go hiking, to do whatever. And then the week's like, okay, hey, go, go play soccer for a few hours over here during this camp or something. I love this idea. Uh, summers are always a major source of stress for this family here because of the summer camps. And uh, they're like all over the place. Some are really expensive. Some only last a week, some last two weeks. And yes, if there was a service where I could just say, hey, pick me three camps that span this time period, and it automatically sends me to the sign-up forms or even signs up for me. That'd be fantastic. Yeah, there's, there's, there's the next level of uh, AI there. Just just do it for me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, these are all great services that can easily be done, actually, uh, without any money to, to start. Yeah. You know, it's funny how all these ideas that we've come up are just based on things that we recently had to go through. So I just mentioned that I got back from Japan and there were just some ethnic foods over there that I wish were in the United States, but they are not. So what I just thought of literally last night when I kind of flew back was to start an ethnic foods monthly box, right? So basically you just, hey, I want a box of cool stuff from Japan every single month. And you just send that same box to a bunch of people. That can be really scaled easily 
and you can just cover countries and it gives you an excuse to travel and expense it also. I like that. Would you focus like solely on one country or would you say we're going to we're going to travel the globe like over the course of 12 months you're going to have 12 different countries sent to your house? I think I would start out small by just focusing on one country, but there's no reason why you can't focus on many countries and that gives you an excuse to travel as well. Yeah. Somebody was doing, I want to say there was somebody was doing this for Canada and it was like the Canadian gift box, like for people living in the States, they couldn't get certain products or, um, I want to say actually a listener of the show was doing this for Hawaii where, you know, their business was based on travel and tourism in 2020 that completely went away. And so like, well, how can we bring the islands to our customers if they're not coming to us anymore? Well, we could send them these you know, subscription boxes or something. So I like that. That's kind of a cool one. I think there's definitely some, some validation that's already been done on that front. So kind of playing the curation and the marketing game on the ethnic foods monthly box. So for number seven, let me pitch you this. So did you know that laughter may actually be a key to longevity? So this is in the National Institutes of Health. Participants in a multi-year study Actually, in Japan, participants in the study who reported laughing more frequently lived longer and had significantly fewer instances of cardiovascular disease than their non-laughing counterparts. So how do we make laughter like a daily vitamin? And I even I'll be the first to admit, like, okay, this is probably not going to cure cancer, but I am pretty sure you're going to feel happier. You're going to feel more grateful after a good laugh, after a good chuckle. That's why I'm proposing the Laugh Reminder app, which will ping you at least once a day with a funny video, a funny story, uh, a clip of somebody laughing, you know, bonus points if it's a friend or a family member with a great laugh. And the inspiration for this is actually our youngest son, who has had just this amazing, uncontrollable giggle, like ever since he was, you know, a baby. And he still still has it, you know, he just turned five and he's like, you know, let's, let's check. Do you still have your gigs? Like, okay, yep, they're still there. And, you know, we go back and watch those like videos of him as a baby all the time. It, like brings back all this happy memories. And so I think this laugh reminder app could be, uh, could be sold as a, uh, as a key to longevity and just a, a general gratitude practice. So would this laugh app be composed of your own videos or curated by somebody else? Yeah, I think you could upload your own or you could, you know, here's a, if you have a famous celebrity laugh or something, you could probably have a few of those stocked in the app, but then you could upload your own to make it more personable. Nice. I like that. We all need to laugh a little bit more in this world. Uh, since, uh, since we're talking about apps, here's one that I just kind of recently came up with. I'm going to call it Steve Bot only because it's my own bot, but I was just thinking about uh, something that I'm going to do with my classes. I'm going to upload all like transcripts of all my videos, all my podcasts. You should do this too, Nick. And then you could just have people pay to talk to the bot. And because it's all of your stuff and all of your content, it's just like asking you that question personally. So, uh, for example, in my class, right, let's say they have a question on e-commerce or something like that. They would just ask the bot. And then based on how you've trained it, which is based on all the videos that you've already given, you get the right answer. Uh, you could also do this with your kids. If you could somehow program your bot to be like you and all the answers that you typically say, like, hey, daddy, can I go eat some cupcakes right before dinner? It just says no. <laughs> <laughs> this is something that you're actually building out for your content library? I am building it out. So I'm transcribing all the videos and everything. And I'm going to try to train a bot to, to answer quick questions for me. That's kind of cool. Is it a white labeled of, of a kind of a customer service app that already exists? No, it's not. You have to use the ChatGPT API. 
Um, and you just feed stuff in, but you know, it's basically creating a robotic clone of yourself and it's entirely doable today. That is pretty slick. Yeah. Cause there's yeah. Hundreds and hundreds of podcast episodes <laughs> uh, to go back through. And we do get some of those, even in the, in the Facebook group, somebody just asked, Hey, there was a guy he was doing, you know, tutoring or he was helping people learn based on neuroscience principles. Like who was that? And it's like outside of my brain, like people probably aren't going to know who that was. It's like, oh, I think that was William, you know, from this episode. Like, here's the link to that. But yeah, if there was a uh, an automated way to do that, where it could like somehow plug in those keywords, like, yes, this is the one you're talking about. Yep. Steve Bot. All right, we'll put that down <laughs> uh, as number eight. Number nine is actually a service that already exists, and this is called Pod Reacher. It's a podcast repurposing service. So taking somebody's library of content and uh, translating that into uh, Twitter threads, into short clip videos, into you know other assets for social media. And so uh, this was founded by Jacqueline Schiff, who reported revenue of $420,000 in mid-2022, which she posted on Starter Story. So I think this is kind of an example of a business that catches a rising tide, like as more and more people are podcasting, but podcast discovery still remains a really challenging problem. Well, how can we take the content that you're already creating and help you get some more mileage out of it? And so her service helps you go out and do that. And I think there's probably some similar uh, services that exist. So I think that's kind of one to think about. Just, I guess the broader framework of catching a rising tide, but then the specific example of you know this uh, repurposing business, like helping people get more mileage out of the stuff they're already doing. Is this service, is it humans or is it AI that's curating the content for you? I think it's humans at this point. Okay. So they literally go through all of your episodes and pick clips yeah, for, so. for everything. Nice. I like that. I like that a lot. Well, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's AI at this point. I think it start, definitely started out as humans because she's been at it for a few years. Okay. Cool. I like that idea. I like that idea. All right. Here's another idea. Uh, and again, it just so happens that it's because Easter just passed. So my friends, they throw these elaborate Easter egg hunts where a, a friend like bought a bunch of lottery tickets and uh, cash, candy and everything. And he Jeez. put together 2,500 eggs and hid them around his pop- property Wow! and had a whole bunch of people over to do these Easter egg hunts. So my idea, and again, it, it can be for any occasion. The Easter just happened to be the only one that I came, but a service that basically stuffs these eggs with whatever you want, and then literally just hides them around your property. It's basically an eager Easter egg party thrower. Okay. Because it's very tedious to do all that stuff. And these parties are a whole lot of fun. They're just a pain in the butt to set up. So basically a party thrower for for Easter in this case, just because it passed. Yeah, packing all of these eggs individually. Yeah, that takes a lot of time. Um, (laughs) 2,500 eggs. Like there's a local mega church by us and their sign was like 60,000 eggs or something. Oh my like, God. Oh yeah. yeah. It's nuts. Okay. Yeah. Very seasonal business, but that could totally work. And it can, you know, parlay into one of the ones we had like luxury picnics or something was one that we profiled a couple of years ago. It was like, you know, lots of, you kind of, you know, go from one holiday to the next, to the, you know, go to the next seasonal uh, thing here. <laughs> It might be tough, especially if you're like, oh, I got three orders. And like, oh, I was supposed to stack, you know, 10,000 eggs in one <laughs> night. I got to go hide all these things. <laughs> Did you know that roughly half of Side Hustle Nation hasn't started their side hustle yet? If that's you, I get it. Starting and building a business is tough. 
It takes more than just an idea. There are tons of moving parts, and it's a bit like trying to assemble your airplane in the middle of takeoff. Thankfully, our sponsor, Taylor Brands, is helping Side Hustle Show listeners make that leap and make it all a lot easier. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, making sure you have everything you need all in one place. Think of it like your behind-the-scenes partner for things like LLC formation, licenses and permits, getting an EIN, setting up your business bank account, bookkeeping and invoicing, insurance, logos, trademark protection, and a lot more. Taylor Brands helps you handle it all seamlessly. And to get you started, Side Hustle Show listeners get 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans when you use our link. That's taylorbrands.com slash side hustle. Taylor Brands, like a tailor for your clothes, T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A. A-N-D-S dot com slash side hustle. Start your business journey today with the help of Taylor Brands. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over 3.5 million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster. And 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, I'm using Indeed to tap into a talent pool of 350 million unique monthly visitors. And what else is cool is Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets. And how about this? Side Hustle Show listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Just go to Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. But one thing that I love, like all of these or almost all of these are born from like personal pain points or challenges. And that's really where a lot of business ideas come from is, you know, necessity is the, the mother of invention in some ways where it's like, oh, you see something and you observe something. And it's like just a slight twist on that. You know, how would I you know, spin that to be my own thing? So the Easter egg party service is number 10. And another one actually that came from pain points and you mentioned like the AI bots was you're trying to plan an annual, you know, Friendsgiving trip for us. So you've been probably 15, 16 years of doing Thanksgiving with the same group of friends we started doing with in California, but now they're in Michigan and we're in the Northwest and trying to be like, well, where do you want to meet? And we go, okay, our criteria is we want to meet somewhere warm in these dates. And, you know, but the hours that we have spent on different flight search engines and trying to find, well, what's the cost for them to fly? What's the cost for us to fly? You know, where do you want to stay? What do you get there? It's like, it's just nuts. It seems like a computer ought to be able to solve this so much faster. And like, look, here's the criteria. Here's where we're coming from. Here's how many tickets we need. Just f- find an option that isn't obscenely expensive. And let's go to town on that. So, and same thing for like reward travel. So that's kind of like the group, you know, the group travel angle, but really the reward travel too. It's like, look, can I plug in my bank? And maybe something already exists. Can I plug in my bank of ultimate rewards points? Can I plug in my Amex points, my Capital One points, my United Miles, my whatever, you know, all of these different accounts that I have. And you tell me like the optimal use for it. Like, hey, we're thinking of doing something in 
you know, in Southeast Asia in the spring, or we're going to Europe at this time. Like, where where can we go? How do we get there? How do we get the family there in the optimal way? Because there's all these little hacks. Like, well, if you have a layover here, you can have a free connecting flight and all this. And it's you know, it can be really tedious. I feel like the robots might be a, a better uh, operator for that stuff. When we plan these trips, the hardest part is actually settling on a time rather than the uh, planning and logistics. Like the logistics is one thing, but so we yeah. just plan like every year we try to plan. Uh, with between four families and between like everyone's kids activities and, and work schedule and all that stuff. Uh, so we use, uh, I think doodle, is that still around? Uh, my wife uses doodle, I think to figure out the times and then you're right. Like what, what's going to work for everybody. Yeah, yeah. When that's going to work. And then yes, then we have this huge thread usually in, in WhatsApp where we're trying to decide like the most optimal way and where to hit it. It's so we, we started basically just going on cruises as a result because it's just, <laughs> it's just too much. Uh, logistics-wise, to plan one of these trips, yeah, it's it's a challenge to to crack that code. And it's like, yeah, we want to keep this tradition alive, but you know, if there was an easy button thing, it's like, yeah, it, you know, it was cheaper for us to fly to London than it was to fly to Mexico or something. It was like, really? And like, well, I guess Thanksgiving isn't a holiday over there, so <laughs> maybe that's what, maybe that explains it, but. And the same thing, like, oh, if we fly out of Toronto, it's better than flying out of Detroit. It's like, you know, just weird weird little things where, you know, the computer could optimize, you know, all, run all these different scenarios and see what can it, what it's going to make the most sense, but trying to line up all these dates and, you know, having somewhat flexible dates, you know, it's like, it doesn't, it, you know, it doesn't have to be set in stone. Like if we shifted a few days, like, Hey, that's fine by me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's the, uh, that's on my wish list, the AI uh, travel tool for rewards tickets or for group travel. Here's a physical product idea that I just got traveling in Japan. It rained on one of the days where we were there. And just the way we travel, like we each have backpacks and then like, uh, you know, I had to get my phone out, look at maps to figure out like the, the railways and everything. But while it's raining, it's really hard to have a free hand. And it just so happens. I was walking on the streets of Shibuya and I saw this dude with this like umbrella attachment sticking out of his backpack. So he had his hands free, but it was like, it wasn't like a, a product. It was, I think he had like taped something together. And I was like, that's ingenious. What if there was just some attachment or special backpack or harness that you could have where you just kind of like stick in your umbrella and all of a sudden you're walking around hands-free in the rain? Mm. How come no one has invented that yet? Have you seen anything like that? I haven't. Yeah. But yeah, the, uh, the product licensing bells go off. The private labeling bells start to go off. Hey, somebody ought to be able to make them. Yeah. And there's a physical product idea. Again, this is just based on your own experiences and the problems that you have in everyday life. I think those are the best ideas that you can possibly have for any business. Yeah. Take Steve's class and start the backpack umbrella business. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's idea number 12. I like that one. Yeah. Especially yeah, for commuters. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Even, even just... Oh, from where you live, especially, right? Where, where it rains nine months out of the year. Yeah. I'm taking the dog out and like I go get, get the mail and then he does his business, and now I'm like, I got no hands. I'm holding the umbrella. It's all, yeah, all kinds of awkward. <laughs> Even just uh, like a like a harness kind of a thing. Yeah, it doesn't have to be you know in a backpack per se, but like the harness umbrella. <laughs> he used to make the, like the little umbrella hats. We used to have these up in the mountains. They're just silly little things. But no, I think that's totally a doable thing. Let's see. We're at twelve. Number thirteen for me is kind of like friend proximity notifications. And so the same thing, like if you're in Japan, for example, 
And, you know, some long lost friend just happens to be in town at the same time, or somebody that you know happens to live there, but you didn't realize they live there. Like, I think it would be really cool to have some way to facilitate those chance encounters that just missed. Because every time I travel, I feel like I get a note afterwards, like, dude, you were just in Florida. Why didn't you, why didn't you text me? Or like, hey, you were like, we were just there at the same time. And like, I, I didn't know, man, you know, so something like that. I think it would be really, really cool because like those types of experiences on the ground when you've been able to meet up either with people locally or shrink the city in some way, like those are really, really powerful, especially in other countries, but even traveling domestically too. I, I love that idea. I, and I want to say there was an app at some point that did something similar to that because I know my wife has a group of people that where she shares her location with just in general so they know where each other are. I think your idea would be a little less intrusive, right? Like you don't know exactly where they are, but you have a small group of friends where you just want to keep track. Uh, if if you just happen to be in like the same area or country as them, right? Yeah. Like where was, I'm trying to think of an example. Like if I've been traveling for a conference and it ends and the flight doesn't leave until five o'clock, it's like, I got to know somebody in town. And I think that would be helpful to just say, and you'd have to you know, have opt-in permissions and all that, but just something to tell you. Because Facebook, you know, used to do this, like, hey, I'm traveling to New York. Like, who, who do I know who lives in New York? And you get this reasonable list of friends. I actually ended up connecting with an old college classmate, you know, through that, you know, a long time ago. Like, dude, do you still live? Yeah, I'm, I'm right across. I'm in Hoboken. I'm in New Jersey. Like, hey, I'll meet. Uh, yeah, let's go to the bar. And so, like, that was really cool. And, you know, be, you know, kind of gotten back in touch, like, as a result of that almost chance encounter where I was just sitting around in Central Park after the conference ended, like, dude, I got to know somebody around here. So uh, I think something like that would be cool. I like that idea. I like that idea a lot. Here's one that I just came up with, uh, again, from my Japan trip where I just got back from. So we were walking around the streets of Kyoto and we didn't know which restaurant to hit. And Yelp actually doesn't really work there that well. And the way we decided which restaurants to eat at were the ones that had the longest lines getting in right? It's kind of like this social proof thing. So, what I was thinking, and I just recently had a friend who opened a restaurant and he was like, man, I'm, I'm so nervous. Like, what if no one shows up? What if there was a service where you could just pay people to just hang out outside the restaurant to make it seem like it was really crowded? Because social proof really matters for everything in life, not just restaurants, but any service or physical location where you just want a lot of people to create a lot of buzz and that sort of thing. You just create a service and you just some, send some people out there and they just hang out. They could, they could just hang out in front of it to make it seem like it's really lively. And then that way it'll attract more people there. Yeah. Createacrowd.com, patent pending. Um, <laughs> yeah. I wonder if that URL is available. Yeah. I like that. That'd be really cool. Because we had um, years ago, we profiled the same old line dudes where they got paid to wait in line. And so like having people, having you know, paying people to go and wait for the next iPhone release or the next Nike release or something like for you. Like that's totally a thing. It's like, well, could you gather a bunch of these people together to create some buzz for your launch? I mean, it's the same thing for your upcoming book launch. It's like, how do we generate enough momentum in the first few weeks that it sticks on the charts? And then I start to reach outside of my current audience and other people start to go out and, and buy the thing. So yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, it could be as simple as just, you know, you hire the service, and then you give out like free food and just have people stop by. 
or free snack or something, just instead of they hang out for five minutes and then they leave or something like that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's the same idea of launching a product on Amazon. Like I expect to give away or, or sell at, at cost, you know, the first, you know, the first order of this product just to generate sales and reviews. It's like kind of the same idea here. Yep. Yeah. Cool. All right. That's number 14, the social proof service, uh, create a crowd name pending. <laughs> uh, number 15. So you're, you're a frugal guy. Your, your family have I bonds. No, we don't. Don't have I bonds. So this is like, you know, over the last couple of years, lots and lots of buzz around government backed I bonds, inflation matched securities that we're paying at the peak, like nine point something percent. You're talking about T bills. We're, we're T billing and chilling. Is that what you mean? Uh, it's similar, but it's like, I don't know. It's a different, it's a different thing where it's like kind of a fixed interest rate for a six month. To, I don't know, but you know, the interface is awful. Like I've had so much frustration around this. And I, so I create my account. It goes through fine. I try to create an account for my wife. So you're capped to buying 10,000 of these uh, every year for a calendar year. And so I go to create my wife's account. It flags it probably because, you know, it registers like the same IP address or something. It's like, okay, good on Uncle Sam for having some level of internet security, even though people are trying to give you money instead of take money away. I don't know. So we had to like go to the bank and like get something not notarized, but signed by the bank manager. It was you know this horribly tedious process. The interface is awful. You can't like type in a password. You have to like click it on this like virtual keyboard. Anybody who's done it like knows what I'm talking about. So I don't know if this is even possible or feasible, but like, is there a way to layer on top a better interface for Treasury Direct? Because there are, there's examples of people doing this in the trademark world, like Trademarkia is the example, like the USPTO, the Patent and Trademark Office website, their search is kind of sucky. It's like crappy looking interface. Like, so these guys layer on top of that same database, you know, just a better user experience. And so my uh, idea number 15 is a better interface for this Treasury Direct website to uh, make that a little less painful. Interesting. We, we always get our bonds and bills from our just like a trading company. Yeah, so this one, yeah, you couldn't buy through Fidelity. You had to go like through Treasury Direct, and that was where the, uh, the friction and the pain came from. Yeah, I see. Yeah, because uh, for for our Treasury bills that we we just buy through Schwab because that makes it more liquid. Otherwise, you actually have to hold them uh, to maturity. Yeah. So, but even that interface is actually kind of confusing. Also, if you don't know what you, I mean, I just literally learned how to buy these Treasury bills recently because it's kind of not that intuitive. Yeah, it's not. You buy it at you know, at the discount and then they give you the full face value at maturity. Like it's a weird way that they, that they do it. Right. I had to, it's almost like I needed a glossary too. Cause I didn't even know what all these terms meant. You would, you would think it'd be a lot easier to buy, but it's actually not that straightforward. It's not, um, tea billing and chilling. Never heard of tea bill. Oh, I got that from San Dogan. <laughs> he, <laughs> he just came on the podcast and used that. I was like, Hey, I like that a lot. I'm going to start using it myself. Nice risk, risk-free return. Uh, cool. Okay, so here's my next one. And again, this is uh, based on a personal problem that I have. My kids are a lot older than yours now, Nick. But when they were younger, we used to buy Lego sets like every single week. And so we have all, like if you look at our house, we have all these Lego kits that are half built, half broken, just lying around the house. And uh, my wife actually gave me this idea. The other day, she was like, hey, I wish there was a Lego separator and organizer service. Will you just send them like, all this stuff that you have that's half built or half broken and they just separate out all the Legos, put them in nice bags and, and organize them so that maybe someone else can use them or maybe you can use them or your kids can use them to build something new instead of having these half built things lying around the house. 
Yeah. So the kits have gotten all mingled and like, well, do we even have, do we have all the pieces for this thing anymore? So trying to re like rebundle them in a way to make what was uh, originally sold. Well, what I was thinking was you, you separate all the bricks and then they just have these manuals where you decide what you want to build next. And then they just kit it for you based on your existing Legos and send it back to you. Oh, okay. That would be really cool. Yeah. Cause we've got, we've got the other problem where, you know, some stuff has gotten mingled, like Brynn is very organized. And so like a lot of the kits are still, you know, in these individual like zip bags where, you know, if you want to rebuild that thing, get all the pieces should be in here. But some of the other ones have gotten mingled into just like the general Lego bucket. Uh-huh. And it's, it was kind of frustrating. Like, well, are you, you're probably done. You're probably not going to build this one again. Like, so could we put that on eBay? Can we donate that? It's like, well, you don't want to donate like that you know, a thing where, you know, if you're going to put it as a kit and half the pieces are missing, like that's not a great experience for the next person to have it. So having this organizing service and then kind of what you're describing is like, well, could you build something new? Like given all the pieces that you have, like, oh, in our library, and then maybe there's the AI element to it. Like, oh, you could actually build this Tyrannosaurus if you have all these pieces or something. Yeah. I mean, basically repurposing what you have into something that's useful. Because right now we, all these random bricks, you don't know what you can build. It's just kind of lying around and taking up space in the house and, and then you step on them and then you curse, you know, it's just, just not pleasant. We came across this site. It was kind of a Lego inventory site where it allowed you to input the kits that you had and it would total up, okay, you have 30,000 total bricks or something. And then it would tell you like how much the retail value of those kits. And you're like, oh God, you know, that's, that's a lot of money in, in Legos right there. Um, and it would tell you like what your global, you know, percentile was like, oh, you're in the top, you know, uh, 25th percent of Lego users or something like that. And so I thought that was kind of a cool service, but to be able to input, maybe it's a kind of an offshoot of a similar service. Like, well, if you have, you know, kits A, B and C, like, did you know you could combine those and build this thing? And here's the instructions for that. I think that'd be cool. Yep. I'm sure Lego would be against it because I'm sure they're banking on people just buying you kits each time, right? that's fair, but they've, they've also been open to kind of a community submissions because we had built, we built one. It was like the Saturn V rocket. It was like three feet tall. It was really cool. And it started out as just a, a Lego fan. You kind of built this thing and submitted it. And they're like, well, that's really cool. Let's turn that into a kit and sell it. I don't know if he got like licensing rights or anything from that. But <laughs> it was at least from the outside appearances, they seem to encourage that kind of community involvement cool yeah no that that'd be awesome yeah all right the lego separator slash organizer service slash repurposing service for idea number 16 number 17 for me is the centralized affiliate program database and so this is a pain point for me as an online business owner trying to figure out does this company or brand that i like have an affiliate program and if they do what networks is it available on is it in-house is it direct is it private like how do i find that and so that centralized database would be really really valuable to say look you know it's available on these three networks you know take your pick who do you, who do you prefer to work with or what are the rates on those different networks or uh, just you know does it exist yay or nay if not you know okay that's fine too but just th- that it's surprising that that doesn't exist and i understand it would be a huge pain to maintain but that would be that would be very valuable for me. What would be valuable for me is one service that I'd sign up for for all of my affiliates. Kind of, I don't know if this is what you were getting at, but right now I have like Impact, Partner Stack, CJ, a whole bunch of these other services. 
Yeah. I just want it all consolidated on one dashboard, one payout. And if there's one company that could work with all the smaller networks and aggregate, so I just get paid by you know one company. Because literally, at least for me, I have like maybe 20 or 30 affiliate companies that I work with. Some of them don't have their own program. Some of them are using a network. And yeah. so like sometimes you don't get paid and you got to keep track of each one of those individual companies. It's a pain. Yeah. I, I would pay for that service for, for sure. Yeah. So I've been using one kind of aggregator dashboard, not, not for payment processing, but at least tells you what you earned. It pulls in the majority of networks. I don't think it does Amazon. Maybe you have to import that manually. But called affluent.io, which is owned by Impact, I think. And so they they pull in, uh, you know, through APIs, like, you know, 15 or 20 different networks and dashboards into one, at least for reporting. And they send you an email like, hey, you made this much yesterday. So that's kind of helpful where I can kind of start to see trends over time and they'll give you summaries. But yeah, trying to keep track of uh, all these different payments and, you know, hey, what's going on? And I'm going through that right now, actually. Like, hey, you, you guys still owe me money from like September. Like, what's going on here? And just having to keep track of that. There's some sort of dashboard that would give you some more easy visualization into that. I think that would be helpful. If you travel a lot for work or for vacation, you might be familiar with that feeling you get knowing you're leaving your space unused for long periods of time and you're still paying for that privilege. But hosting on Airbnb means you don't have to leave your home sitting empty when you're away. Being an Airbnb host isn't just a way to earn some extra cash. It's a chance to share your space and make a guest's vacation all the more memorable. You might be thinking, eh, maybe my place isn't the right fit, but don't write it off just yet. Your potential Airbnb might be right in front of you. Whether it's a spare room or even your entire home, there's an opportunity waiting. Airbnb turns your home into a practical and even profitable venture. We just got back from a family trip to Hawaii where we stayed in a great Airbnb, but our place back home could have been a highlight to somebody else's travels, and we could have used the extra cash to help pay for the trip. So if you're curious about hosting on Airbnb, find out how much your space could be worth by visiting airbnb.com slash host. Once again, that's airbnb.com slash host. Yeah. Nick, do we have time for one more? Of course. Okay. This is an idea that I got because my kids are always asking me to get a pet. Like they want a dog, they want a pig, they want, but but they're not really aware of how much trouble it really is to take care of a pet. So what I was thinking was if there was a service where you go and you take your kid and then they just walk you through all the pain that you have to do to take <laughs> care of a pet and just basically educate your child how hard it is. That would be really valuable for me because then they would know, you know, whether they want to actually commit to this or not. Or just a place where you can just learn how to take care of various animals and just have them choose. And that's the whole purpose of the business, to discourage your kids from getting that pet. The pet, the <laughs> pet discouragement service. The dissuade, you know, not persuading, but the dissuading service. Yeah, because our, our friends are volunteering with, like, you know, the future guide dogs service. And so it's like, under that same idea, like, hey, look, there's a lot of responsibility. Here's a way to practice taking care of, of a dog, like for short-term periods, you know, they'll come and stay with them. But yeah, it's like, it's a super cute puppy. Like, you know, I don't know how, I don't know how well it's working on the dissuading side of things. The <laughs> discouragement service. I'm going to put that down as number uh, 18. 
Number 19 for me, this one came to mind as I was buying uh, Girl Scout cookies from our neighbor. And it was it's all very modern these days. You know, it's like scan this QR code and it redirects to Sophia's, you know, you know, personalized checkout page. And so I think I got, you know, three boxes and it was 18 bucks. But the missed opportunity for the Girl Scouts and maybe the side hustle opportunity for people listening is the shopping cart roundup plugin where, you know, hey, would you like to round up your order to 20? Like, we'll donate the rest for you. Would you like to round it up to 25? We'll donate the rest for you. I think that was a missed opportunity for the Girl Scouts just to make it a nice round number. Like, I'm already feeling good about making this purchase. Like, I could, they could have gotten more out of me. I didn't necessarily need more cookies in my life, but they could have uh, gotten a little bit more out there. So they're in the realm of Shopify plugins. I think that may be uh, an opportunity for certain businesses. I like that idea. It's actually similar to, there's this grocery store... I can't remember which grocery store I saw this at, but during checkout, you can donate your change to just some organization with the click of a button. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Like kind of round up. I think GoDaddy does that. You've seen it at Safeway for a lot of years. Yeah. But something... Um, for Shopify. Yeah. Yeah. To make that thing for Shopify, even it doesn't have to be necessarily a charitable organization, although that would make more sense. Like round up. I don't know why you would just give a for-profit company like more money. But, <laughs> yeah. Just, uh, you know, round up your order to, um, the side hustle nation charity. Uh, yeah. Just funnel, <laughs> funnel a little bit off of there. Maybe that my theory was, you know, Safeway was doing that. It's like, okay, we'll collect this cash from customers and it will make that deposit. So we'll get some sort of write-off benefit from that. And so that was kind of my theory. Like, oh, we'll look like a good Samaritan or a good, you know, corporate responsibility because we're making these big donations, but like really we kind of crowdsource that from a bunch of customers. So that was I, my understanding of how that might work, but I don't know. But that was number 19 for me. Anything, anything else on your list? No, I think we've pretty much covered it. Okay. I think that's a, a good a list, a good place to stop. Do you remember uh, at the end of the last episode that we did on this, you uh, proposed what we kind of called the zombie apocalypse consultant. You remember this? Yes. I remember that. Yes. And so I actually had a listener reach out. This was Dr. David Powers. He reached out from RuggedDadLives.com. He, you know, kind of like sent me an email with like the hand raised emoji, like, hey, apocalypse consultant, that's me, man. So this guy is a Marine Corps vet and he's actually board certified in emergency crisis response. So just wanted to give him a, a shout out here as a potential worst case scenario resource. So RuggedDadLives.com uh, is his site. Nice. I'll have to go check that out. I'll introduce my wife to that site for sure. Very good. Again, The Family First Entrepreneur is coming out in a couple of weeks. You can grab your copy at thefamilyfirstentrepreneur.com. When you pre-order before May 16th, you'll be able to claim over $600 in free bonuses, including the uh, very pertinent Family First Side Hustle Challenge. Again, if you're new to the show, that's awesome. Thank you so much for tuning in. What you can do is go to hustle.show, answer a few short multiple choice questions, and I will build you a custom curated playlist to get you in the right, uh, down the right path of the episodes I think are going to be most pertinent to you. Again, that's at hustle.show to get you into the archives. Um, big thanks for, to Steve for stopping by, for sharing his insight once again. As always, you can hit up sidehustlenation.com slash deals for all the latest offers from our sponsors in one place. Thank you for supporting the sponsors that support the show. That's it for me. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, let's go out there and make something happen. And I'll catch you in the next edition of the Side Hustle Show. Hustle on.